Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Coming to you from the city of the weird. Exploring topics from the esoteric and unexplored to dimensions unknown. Shining a light of truth on the darkest corners of our reality. Welcome to the Curious Realm. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Curious Realm. Chris Jordan, coming at you in a pre-recorded fashion. I am out with my amazing wife, Amy, this evening. Uh, we have It's not often that I am not live on the air on a Tuesday, but uh, whenever I am, we always do great pre-recorded stuff. We have a couple of fantastic guests tonight. Up first will be Lim Buchanan. He is the author of of the book Seventh Sense, The Secrets of Remote Viewing, as told by a psychic spy for the U.S. military. He was involved with Project Stargate, the government remote viewing program. Uh, He runs his uh, PSI, uh, which is Problem Solutions Innovations at crviewer.com. Um, we will be talking about remote viewing with the amazing Lim Buchanan this evening, Project Stargate. The the actual science behind it, I say science because this is not like a statistical anomaly like a lot of people make it out to be. Remote viewing is an amazing world of research, and we'll be getting into that with Lynn as well as his applications, um, a couple of stories behind the scenes, things like that. While you were online checking out crviewer.com, do, of course, make sure to go by our website, curiousrealm.com. That's where you can not only find all the episodes and follow us on social media, uh, but that's also where you can go over and visit the Knowledge Vault. If you go to curiousrealm.com forward slash knowledge, that will take you to the Knowledge Vault, and you'll see a little page there with a bunch of topics. If you go to the first one, Declassified Programs and Documents, down toward the bottom of that page, you will see listed right here uh, under CIA Project Mockingbird and MK Ultra Project Stargate. So feel free to follow the bouncing ball this evening. What that will take you to is the actual Declassified Documents of Project Stargate, the government remote viewing program, uh, what its missions were, what its definitions were. Uh, There's also a great um, compendium to go with that as well, right underneath it. So 
Follow along with that stuff, folks. And of course, while you're online, make sure to stop on by our social media page, uh, Curious Realm on Facebook. That's where you can check out the news of the week. Let's get into a couple topics real quick before we bring on our first guest. Chinese scientists are eyeing a lunar lava tube as the location for a moon base. That coming to you out of the debrief. Out of interesting engineering, an all-new electric drone that is totally silent and uses ion propulsion. Uh, we really need to get somebody on to talk about ion propulsion. Um, becoming a very, very common technological use nowadays. Out of astronomy.com, Curiosity Rover qualifies or quantifies key ingredient for life on Mars. It recently measured the ratio of organic carbon in Martian rocks. And out of live science, what did King Tut look like? Um, people were posting all kinds of images, of course, of Steve Martin. So uh, stop on by, check that out. Join the conversation of thousands there on social media with Curious Realm, folks. That is the news of the week. Um, I am so excited to welcome back our guest today. I had the opportunity of meeting Lynn Buchanan in person at the International Remote Viewing Association Conference in Menlo Park, California. Um, we shared a couple meals together and had a great interview. It was super fantastic meeting him, and I'm so glad to welcome him back on the show. Welcome, Lim Buchanan. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me. This is an honor. Well, it's more than an honor to speak with you again. I have I have been in love with your research for years and years, as well as your work. Um, the fact that you are one of the folks out there who is commercially using remote viewing um, with your with your business, crviewer.com, not only giving classes like a lot of people do, but using using it in different aspects in the corporate world um what brought you to the idea of using in the, using this technology in that way oh uh, well when i first got out of service um uh, we started uh working for police departments and uh as we worked for the police departments we found out that um they had different needs then, of course, the military does uh, a lot of the same needs, you know, missing soldiers, missing people, uh, missing evidence and things like that. But um, then some other people, once it became uh, public knowledge that this was declassified and out there, uh, we started getting uh, calls from doctors. Uh, one of the um, first things that we got was actually from realtors. Uh, realtors will sell, you know, will show 10 houses and hope to make a sale. And they were wondering if there was some way they could find out what the customer who walked in really actually wanted and would afford mm. and would buy in order to not have to sell that, you know, show them so many houses. And, uh, so they started using this and, uh, and got to where they were showing like three houses and making a sale. <laughs> and so, uh, this was one of the first civilian applications we got. Then of course there were people who, uh, 
this always tickled me. They would call and they would say, hey, if you will tell me the lottery numbers for this week's big lottery, I'll give you 1% of it. <laughs> if I knew that, I'd have 100% of it. I wouldn't need your 1%. I don't know what their logical thinking was, but anyway. <laughs> I'll uh, split it with you, 92-8. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, people just started coming with new applications, uh, new needs. And so we started using the controlled remote viewing for that. But in the process, we also realized that we needed to uh, make different advancements in the remote viewing to get it away from strictly military applications and into the civilian realm. And over the years, over the last what, 30, 20 some odd years, I guess, uh, uh, we have been continually databasing, finding out what does work for the civilian arena, what doesn't work. We've started uh, uh, working for corporations, uh, scientific corporations, uh, research and development, um, medical applications. Um, we're doing some right now, uh, space research and development. And uh, just, you know, it's just blossomed over the years as more and more people find out that this is a really useful tool. The, this, we're even, um, we're even uh, at a few times now training corporations to have their own controlled remote viewing units. That's incredible. And and it, whenever we met, there, there was a Texas-based space company. Um, yeah, that was there, and I remember John Brandenburg had one of their hats. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, if you want, if you want to know about the ion drive, you ought to get John. I, uh, I would love to do that. Um, let's talk about that afterward because that's, I mean, to to me, the fact that they are leaning on remote viewing for things like landing sites, that kind of stuff. Um, it's really interesting. Let's let's first let's take a step back real quick. And for any of our audience who may not be familiar with controlled remote viewing, I mean, we've we've talked about remote viewing a few times on the show. Many of them may be familiar with the concept, but there's a difference between Wild West remote viewing and controlled remote viewing. Um, yes. Let's let's explain to the audience the difference there. Okay. Um, generally, when this became public knowledge, uh, almost every psychic out there realized that this was developed under scientific rigors and uh, oversight from the government and was proven, databased, and, and so forth. And so it was scientific. And so um, psychics started saying they were remote viewers. And so we had crystal ball remote viewing, palm remote viewing, tea leaf remote viewing, and all of that. And uh, that finally settled into where remote viewing became the new word for 
psychic. Yeah. And uh, the military, however, um, they uh, they researched this. They found out that the Russians, for years, had been using psychic spies against the U.S. We, they were getting our secrets like crazy. They were looking for ground agents, you know, Russian agents, uh, cyber attacks and all that, and couldn't find it. And they found out uh, because of a um, a defector from Russia, they found out that uh, one of the ways they were getting our secrets was through psychic spies. So they decided, well, if they're going to do it to us, we ought to look at doing it back right back at them. And so they went out to uh, Stanford Research Institute and got some um, laser physicists who had already written papers on how the intentions of a researcher, just the mere thought intentions of a researcher, can affect the research. And um, so they hired two people, uh, uh, Pat Price, a retired policeman, and Inga Swan, a, an artist who worked for the United Nations. And uh, Ingo started developing a methodology. Ingo's genius. He started developing a methodology which doesn't really concern itself with psychic functioning. It concerns itself with the fact that your subconscious mind has psychic ability. It has intuition. And so what he developed was a an interview and report process, um, mainly just that, interviewing your subconscious mind and reporting what it tells you. And uh, with practice, this was developed practice, databasing, research, and all that, this was developed into a methodology where uh, we had people in the unit who were sitting down and drawing the floor plans of the place where a hostage was being held so that the uh, rescuers could go in and rescue the hostage without getting them killed. And, uh, you know, finding out what was in documents locked in safes over in foreign countries, um, and things like this. What were the plans and intentions of some foreign leader? With a high degree of accuracy, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, because it was it was actually the remote viewing program that, that originally gave the evidence for the, the hidden microwave bugs in, in oh, the yeah. U.S. Embassy. Yeah, that was uh, Joe McMonagle. And in fact, uh, uh, when the Marines tried to go in and rescue the hostages uh, in uh, the hostage crisis in Iran. In Iran, yeah. uh, Our viewers were in on that. And they saw that the Marine helicopters were uh, grounded because of a sandstorm. And our report of the chain of command to the president got there 10 minutes before 
the electronic report came in, you know, uh, uh, that the Marines had reported that they were grounded because the sand was in their motors and they couldn't fly. And so we got it 10 minutes before the Marines did. <laughs> well, well, and that, that brings me to the first listener question uh, for you, Lynn, which is why would the government invest in remote viewing? Um, now, you mentioned a while ago the laser physicists who had who had written this paper, and it's it's a concept that we talk about regularly on the show, and that is that is the idea of an intelligent universe, a reactive universe, uh, the fact of um, the atom has to know that somebody is trying to observe it in order for the camera to be fast enough to catch the atom. It's right. not that the camera shutter is actively as fast as that atom or faster than the atom. It's that the atom knows it's being observed, so it pauses and lets you take a picture. Um, and that's really remarkable, and it really does blow a lot of straight, like, laboratory science out of the water whenever you consider the fact that the literal intent, which is what you're trying to get rid of in science, is the idea of, like... An expected result, you know? That's right. Um, but the fact that your expectation of result could totally taint your experiment because you are unintentionally influencing the universe around you, that's a deep, hard concept for science to get. So, Oh, yeah. With, it's one they don't want to get. <laughs> so with, with literally that to go on, um, what was it that made the government go, okay, Let's put money into this because there was, like you said, the knowledge of the Russian program. And then there was this paper and these researchers, you know, people like Russell Targ, uh, Hal Putoff, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, the, uh, yeah, what, the intelligence, you know, the intelligence field may laugh at some stuff like, oh, a bunch of yeah. psychics, but they don't take anything for granted. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of people had to laugh over the Russians using psychics. But uh, the intelligence field, they said, well, hey, if it seems to work, we need to look into it. And so they didn't put money into the remote viewing. What they did was they put money into the uh, laser physicist who then took their findings and did research into whether or not this could be used to uh, to actually uh, gain intelligence. And when they found out through their research and databasing and all that, that yes, it could, uh, that's when the government finally said, okay, then we better start doing it. And that's when they did wow. it. But um, part of that was, the um, in that research area, um, the big secret thing at the biggest secret development at the time was the M one A one Abrams tank, and uh, I mean it was way above top secret, and so um, I think it was Joe McMonagle. Um, they tasked him with it. And uh, all they said was, this is 
you know, they gave him some numbers. This is Project So-and-So. Tell us about it. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit He not only described it, he also drew it and drew it from the um, view of a person sitting in the seat on the tank. And um, they they sent out the black cars. They thought, you know, they were going to um, prosecute Joe because they thought he was a spy. And, of course, he was, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, that proved that it worked and it got the government's attention. And so they said, hey, if this works, hey, let's use it. And so they developed the uh, controlled remote viewing program and uh, and we did a lot of good work in there. And now, what, what part did you play in the program? Where I know you were a remote viewer for them, but were you an operational head? How did, how did you come to become, I guess, courted into that program and read onto it to begin with? Um, if you've seen the movie, the man who stared goats, <laughs> um, I was, that is um, always my reference for you, by the way, <laughs> when people yeah. are like, well, who are you talking about? <laughs> this is what yeah. I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was over in uh, Augsburg, Germany, and this incident happened where uh, I got flaming mad. And since I was around 12 years old, anytime I get flaming mad, things fall off shelves. And, you know, you've heard of the poltergeist kids. Things fall off shelves. Things break. Uh, uh it's always been that I get upset at work. The printer's going to go down and so on. And so I got flaming mad. And when I did, the entire fuel station went down. Uh, General Stubblebine, the head of the Intelligence and Security Command, got wind of this. He came out to Augsburg and he wanted to start a remote um, influencing unit where we would destroy enemy computers with the end goal of learning to control enemy computers to make their missiles go turn around and go right back at them or put false information into the computers and all that. And uh, Congress had been caught in the 60s 
doing mind control. And they said, no, this sounds like mind control. We're not going to do that. So they wouldn't fund it. And so General Stubblebine took me out to Fort Meade. Uh, I had no assignment at the time because he had pulled me out of Augsburg. So he took me out to Fort Meade and put me into the remote viewing unit. And uh, I am so glad he did. I took to it like a duck to water. It's it's a wonderful, it's the most interesting job I think anybody could ever have in their life. I, I would imagine so, especially uh, just the idea that you would be able to hone your abilities to the point of comfort that you have. Um, let's oh, let's yeah. start getting into the process of remote viewing because is is it the fact that a anybody can remote view? Do you do you have to be a preternatural psychic? Um, do you have to be, as you said, um, a, a poltergeist kid? You know, somebody who emanates so much energy. At, at some moments that they have to be careful? And the answer is no, you don't. Um, when Ingo started developing this methodology, uh, he took the fact that, um, you know, martial artists, ninja people, mm. and so forth, um, they, they don't depend on logical conscious mind thinking because if you do, you get in a fight and you think of what is coming next, you're going to wind up on the floor. Yeah. And uh, and your intuition, your subconscious mind knows what's coming. And so you develop the wax on, wipe off, wax on, wipe off. You know, you develop the physical moves for subconscious awareness. And so Ingo said, well, let's try doing the same. And so he would um, he would set you at a desk and he would say, okay, I want you to take this pen and paper and make a reflexive motion when I say land. And most people would make a straight line or they'd make a mountain or something like that. And then space and water, they'd make a wavy line and so forth. And he would do this thousands of times until it became a knee-jerk reaction. And pretty soon what would happen was you would make the line before he called the word. And uh, at that point, he knew that your subconscious was making the physical reaction. And uh, once that happened, he would start saying, okay, we have target number one for the day. Oh, uh, what's at the target? And your hand would make like a straight line, wavy line. Okay. And you'd say, well, I have no idea what the target is, but I know that there's some land and some water. And he'd open the envelope and there would be a picture of the beach. Um, you would make wavy line and something for manufacturing. He'd open the envelope and there'd be a ship sitting on the water and so forth. And um, you trained and trained and practiced and practiced this. And pretty soon it got to where uh, you could, through this 
knee-jerk reaction, you could describe what is out of sight. And then, once he got you to where you could do that, he would say, okay, now I want you to imagine you're at this water that you found. And I want you to taste it. What do you taste? Oh, it's salty. Oh, okay. We found something about the water. And it's cold. And it smells fishy or something like that. And he would get your other senses involved. This is stage two of the training. And it would get to where you could say, I still don't know what the target is. But I know there's water there that is really salty and smelly and and cold and all that. And there's land there that's hilly and and you could describe the land that was there and all that. And then um, in the third stage of it, he would say, okay, you got this land that's hilly. Draw me a sketch of it. And you would start feeling your way along the page again with the martial art aspect. You draw a line and, oh, that doesn't feel right. And then you draw another, yeah, this feels right. And pretty soon you were winding up drawing pictures of the target. And uh, then he went on through the higher stages. But uh, those three main stages, those are the basis of controlled remote viewing. It's not where you sit there and close your eyes and, and wait for your, you know, wait for the spirit to talk to you or anything yeah, else. Yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily like Madame Lavatsky and going into a trance or something like that. Oh. Right right now, I've got the documents up, and the definition of remote viewer is what really, really interests me. Because, uh, like you said, most, most people hear remote viewing, they are just fully thinking psychic. Um, yeah. But but when when you look at this and see the definition, a person who perceives, communicates with, and or perturbs characteristics of a designated target, person, or event. So like you're saying, they can give you fine, and not just gross detail, but fine detail. How salty is the water? That's right. Like, yeah. Things like that. And not only that. They could salt the water um, because, like it says, it's someone who can perturb the characteristics of a target yeah, well, person or event. That's a much higher advanced stage, yeah. And I, um, I guess that brings up, a, a, number one, a really good reason, because if you, can, if you can perturb something at a distance or perturb a target or a person— um, like you said, a remote influencing unit, so to speak. Yeah. Um, that would be a fantastic military use of oh, the technology of remote viewing. Now, with that being said, another one of the questions that we had from a listener that I think it's a great time to ask is with it, with Project Stargate and the, the remote viewing program being under government and especially military government auspice, what were there any casualties during the program? Uh, how do you, you mean can speak of anyway? Um, 
<laughs> well, I mean, were, were there people that were harmed because of the program? Were, was there anybody that that died due to psychic attack from an enemy or things like that? You mean any one of us? Yeah. No. Uh, uh, we did have one who uh, got cancer and mm. and died, but that uh, was not considered to be part of the uh, yeah. remote viewing effort, you know, was not considered to be the cause. Um, but, um, no, but as far as the, as far as us affecting them, um, we were given the edict, I mean, absolute edict, we were there to collect intelligence. We were there to not to do remote influencing. And so um, some influencing did happen over the years, but it was never officially passed or sanctioned. I could see how incidental influencing would happen, especially just given the given the root of the research to begin with. The fact that uh, the the root of the original papers, things like that, was a, a scientist influencing an experiment unbeknownst to himself. You know, sure. so so even the fact that you know something like that could happen by happenstance while you're embodying another place so to speak uh sure yeah absolutely now the uh the question that i never wanted to find the answer to never wanted to go find the answer to uh was did they have another unit that was doing that mm. and uh, from the from the fact that they would not uh, support general stovebine's effort to create such a unit, I've always kind of doubted that they had such a unit sure. doing the influence. But um, sure. no, we had the we had the strong edict. Yeah. Uh, you are not to do influencing, yeah. Well and or or psychic wet work, what have you. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um I guess, I guess that raises another question that we talk about on the show regularly and that's that that's targeting, you know, whether whether it's by military, private contractors, things like that, um, targeted individuals, people who claim to be targeted by technologies. Have, have you seen any connection between those two worlds of have you have you ever been targeted, for instance, because of your because of your involvement with past government programs with with technologies absolutely. like remote viewing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the thing is on the targeting, um, we were we were absolutely told that it was a prison offense for us to target any U.S. citizen unless it was officially tasked to us for proven purposes of national defense uh and then it had to go through the uh congressional approval and and all of that before we could ever do it 
And uh, I don't think that more than one or two times during the entire eight and a half years that I was there in the unit, we got a task to collect intelligence on a U.S. citizen. Uh, the main one was a drug agent uh, that had gone rogue and was uh, selling drugs and, you know, uh, but he had gone rogue. But as far as U.S. citizens, oh, that was that was for us a jail offense if we did it. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> but but no, uh, like you said, known known to happen. Um, and yeah, just uh, just the fact of uh, being involved with programs like this to begin with, uh, I'm sure puts your name on a list. Um, m- much less if if you continue the work like you have, you know, with well, the Russians, with PSI yeah, the and everything else. Always, yeah, the Russians were always looking for us. <laughs> so were the Chinese. Yeah. And and what what has it been like for you? I guess since this technology and since the program went public so many years ago, you know, uh, have have you ever seen any blowback from that? Have you ever got any blowback from your involvement in the program? Yeah. Um, first of all, a lot of hatred from people who are out to hate anything psychic or anything intuitional and all that. Um, I get a lot of attacks on my computer, uh, on my website and all that, you know, yeah. just haters got to hate. And, uh, <laughs> also, um, just the, um, you know, yeah, I, I go to church and there are some of the People, you know, once once it first came out, what I had done for the military in this, uh, went to church one day, and it looked like, have you ever taken some soap and dropped it into the middle of a of a thing of oil, a ton of water, how the yeah, oil yeah. just slings out to the side, and it looked like I was sitting there in church, my wife and I, and there was this huge circle of empty seats. Around us, <laughs> oh man, you know, and and things can, like yeah, yeah, I can I can see how within certain communities, much like in, you know, we we talk about it regularly on the show, uh, the fact of everybody wants a quote paranormal experience, you know, like oh, yeah. I, I'd love to see a UFO. Oh, oh yeah. You know, because quite a few of the people that I've interviewed, like it, it drove their relationships apart. Like, oh, yeah. the person that they yeah. saw the event with, like, they don't even talk anymore. And they were like war buddies, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you sure you want that event? Um, and I guess that that's kind of a question that comes to bear when you're talking about something like remote viewing. Um, number one, uh, like, like you said, you don't necessarily have to be a psychically skilled individual to remote view and to follow the protocols of controlled remote viewing. However, that's right. Um, everybody has intuition. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and I guess my question is, is it that easy to cut off once, once you learn to control remote view, things like that? Is it the fact of 
you're only using that faculty when you are going through protocol? Or is it the fact of um, you can now dry read everybody that you walk into a room with? Well, those, you know, as you develop your subconscious and get that line of communication going, that's going to start happening. Um, you get much more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Practically intuitive. Mm. Uh, I don't think it makes you more intuitive. It just gives you more access to your subconscious mind. However, uh, yeah, you can cut it off. The controlled remote viewing, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're not sitting down with a pen and paper going through the protocol, you're not controlled remote viewing. Mm. And so you'll find many people who say, oh, I'm a controlled remote viewer and I do it without the pen and paper. No, you don't. Uh, you're a psychic. And and, and, and there's, some, there's some good psychics out there. Sure. Really good. Absolutely. And, and, you know, no fault to them, no fault to what they do. Even one of the people that we spoke with at the conference, the last person that we had on who went through your program and is a controlled remote viewer, made a very, very huge distinction between when she is doing psychic work and when she is remote viewing. Oh, um, absolutely. It's and, a different thing. Yeah. yeah and, and like you said, you, you may be, doing a type of remote viewing, what have you, but if you are not controlled remote viewing if you are not following the protocols. And that that's one of the things that I definitely wanted to bring up as we kind of switch the topic to your work with PSI. Well, um, how let you me brought just one thing. The, go, ahead. go ahead. The, the word, the term controlled remote viewing, most people think of, controlled remote viewers as remote viewers who are controlled, and that's not it at all. Controlled remote viewing means you're a psychic who has control over the remote viewing you're doing. And that's the whole thing. The Inga Swan method is not psychic in and of itself. It is something... It is a methodology that gives you control over your psychic ability by connecting you to your subconscious mind. And the thing is, your subconscious mind not only knows what's going on in Russia at the Kremlin right now, it also knows why you do those things you have you don't want to do, but you do them anyway, why you don't do the things you want to do and they never get done, you know. 
And so it not only knows the outer world, it knows the inner world as well. And so um, once you establish this connection with your subconscious mind, it opens not only know the world, know the universe in time and space, but know thyself as well. And it's, man, what a difference. Yeah. Well, and how important is that, I guess, clearing of house and, and you, you know, um, is it the fact of, in addition to your remote viewing work, that you meditate daily, that you try and keep those mental surfaces clear, so to speak, you know, um, so that you are ready to remote view? Um, how do you how do you prepare for a session to begin with, Lynn? Um, many for the controlled remote viewing sessions, uh, many people find different ways to, uh, calm themselves and quieten themselves. Some people will listen to music. Some people will meditate. One of my students stacks stones, uh, makes these stacks of stones because the balancing gets them so focused on that, that they get everything else in their life out of the way. Uh, some people do artwork. Some people play music. I have found that um, if I wash the car, clean the garage, do the dishes, do the remote viewing, do go cut the lawn and all that, and just make it a whop, whop, whop thing, sure. just n another job in a day, that's when I get the best results. Mm. Mm. When when you uh, just make it a rote part of your day instead of making it a, a purposeful focus. That's right, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Because at that point, you really do get, I, I suppose, a much more reactive than proactive. You know, you're, right. you're you're able to take in a lot more rather than having, like you're saying, that that expectation that the scientist may have that might be influencing the experiment to begin with. That's right, yeah. And everybody has their best way, and the way you find out your best way is by keeping data. Well, let's start getting into that, because data is now the the world that you swim in with PSI, uh, Problem oh, yeah. Solutions, Innovations, your website, um, and and bringing this work into the world of corporations into the world of stock markets into the world of trading and commodities it's 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 real like you said earlier real estate real estate oh, I mean, yeah. you're talking about some real estate like you're talking millions and billions man um that's that's, right. a, that's a lot yeah. of commas and zeros to be bringing something as as some folks might say as willy-nilly as remote viewing to um but it is something that people have really started taking seriously over the last 20 years. And uh, let's get sure. into that. Um, what, what brought you to founding PSI and bringing this technology to other people, giving people student resources, giving people one-on-one -on -one training and teaching them to focus it toward different branches like that. Well, what brought me to form PSI um, when, um, I got out of the military. I went to work for the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency as a uh, database uh, expert on their, they have the largest wide area network in the world. 
even beyond brushes. And um, I started working on that as a manager. And uh, as I did, um, there were people in the government who found out that I was I had been I had become the trainer of the remote viewing unit. And so I was getting contacted by the people who had the security clearances. I got the permission to start teaching them and the government uh, the remote viewing. When it became declassified, all of a sudden, uh, we had just 80 to 100 people a day phoning on the phone, wanting the training because they found out that I was the trainer. And uh, I had been driving into two hours into D.C. every morning, working a 12-hour day, driving two hours home in the evening. And it finally dawned on me, hey, I can train people in this, and I don't have to do all that D.C. garbage and fight with the politicians and, and everything else. And so I just took the leap. I quit the government job and started training remote viewing and never looked back. Wow. Wow. And once again, to know that you have come to the point of basically founding a school of this science and teaching it um, Mm -hmm. is incredible and awesome and good for you for carrying it on and teaching it to new generations. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever done in my life. I I love it. What what would you say has been probably the the biggest biggest knowledge nugget that you've gained since learning this technique and since stepping into the world of remote viewing, Lynn? The biggest personal one? Yeah. The biggest personal one came as a practice session while I was still in the unit. Um, I had uh, I had been doing the bad guys, finding plans and intentions of all the enemy leaders and all that. And some of those people are crazy. Some of you know, Saddam Hussein was just quite a crazy. Uh, Idi Amin was uh, you know, a cannibal. And that's that's been proven, and uh, and so anyway, it was wearing me down, and so I went into the uh, director one day and I said, "Look, give me Bozo the Clown, give me Mother Teresa, give me something besides these evil people. It's just wearing me down." And he said, "You're a soldier. Do your damn job. Get out of my office." You know, so oh, I man. did. And so, anyway, um, there came a lull in international activities, and uh, I went over one day for a practice session. I didn't know it was a practice session. And uh, the monitor said, okay, you're doing a uh, personality assessment today. Personality assessment is where you just observe a person rather than getting into their mind and getting their plans and intentions. You observe and describe the person you're serving. And uh, 
So I got this uh, target. I started the session, and all of a sudden I realized, hey, this isn't a bad guy. This is a good guy. And so finally I got a good guy, you know. And uh, so I did this session, and by the end of the session, I felt like I was just glowing. And my summary for that session was, whatever evil you thought you think this guy did, he didn't do it. This is one of the most perfect people I've ever met. And uh, so the, anyway, the I ended the session. The monitor took the opened the envelope, took the tasking page out. And the director had handwritten on a piece of paper, Jesus. And uh, I would not say, you know, that I have met Jesus person, person, and all that. But in the remote viewing, in that aspect, yeah. And the interaction there changed my life. It really did. Wow. Wow. It made it, it... made a difference in my life. Yeah. That is that is beautiful and what an incredible account, Lynn, um, to share. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh because I've got I myself have had my own um Jesus presence moment. Not right. not like that, but um it is a life changing experience when something that big slaps you in the face. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. Um good on you for being open to that and for being open to the definition of that experience in that way. Uh Well, in that experience, um uh, I I was feeling like just a piece of trash mm. in front of this person that was so perfect and all that. And uh he basically let me know that um uh, Everything that I've done bad, he's seen worse. Mm-hmm. Everything that I've done good, he's seen better. And he didn't care. He loved me anyway. Yeah. And accepted me. And, you know, I was raised hard show Baptist. I mean, you dance with that girl, you're going to hell and all that. <laughs> and, uh, and all of that. All of that rigorous, hard shell, fundamentalist religion, I realized wasn't necessary. He cared for me anyway. Yeah. So it changed my life. Really did. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. And to, to know that you had that, that not, not through your religious experience, but through your experience with remote viewing and being open-minded in that way, um, that it 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 wasn't in church that it happened for you. That's right. And it was totally the opposite of my religious upbringing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, like the direct antithesis, like you said, going back to church after, after the revelations of the program to the world, it was like (laughs) oil and water. They, oh, yeah. they they didn't get a, they didn't get along. Um, and sure, yeah. with with that in mind, how how does somebody start going down the path of remote viewing? They they've contacted you via your website at crviewer.com. Um, 
how do they sign up for the basic class? What is their treatment? What, uh, what can they expect out of the first level of basic classes from you at PSI? Um, if you go to my website, crviewer.com, and go down to right the bottom now. of the opening, and you go down to the bottom of the opening page, uh, it has a link to the course that I have now on, uh, Kajabi. I have, I'm teaching online these days so that I can get books written and, and other things rather than having, you mm-hmm. know, people in my home here all the time. And, um, um, what you can expect is lots of practice, practice, practice. Uh, the remote viewing, uh, the basic remote viewing course has a little over 160 videos in it that are progressive as you go. That teaches you those first three stages of the remote viewing. Uh, then I have an intermediate course that teaches you uh, applications, uh, how to get extremely fine details and in, in information and all that. Uh, but that, that comes later. And uh, what you can do is if you do the course the way you're supposed to, you can plan to practice and work on it for one to two years before you finish that course. Um, this is not a toy. This is not a parlor game. This is not, you know, close your eyes and lean back and, and, and just say whatever comes to mind. Um, yeah. But to get really good at it, to get a, to get to the point where the information that you give you can database it and have close to 90% accuracy. That's going to take a long time. And so uh, this is work. Uh, when you when you get to that point, it's well worth it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you can you can go online and uh, you know watch a lot of yoga videos. There's a difference between that and having a yoga instructor. There, oh, yeah. there's a difference between, um, and and even to give a better analogy, you're not going to walk in and start breaking boards week one of karate class. That's right. That yeah. that is like that is like a year two experience. <laughs> yeah, um, you know we start out we start out very simply like that. Um, we don't give blood and guts, murder and mayhem, anything that would be emotionally disturbing. Uh, we start you out with the very simplest of targets, teaching you those ideograms, those mm. first curlicues and all that. And, um, and we teach you just, we teach you the military program. And, uh, um, we had, we had, we have a lot of people who come in and they say, well, we have these great ideas, and I'm going to start doing it that way. And uh, many times they'll say, we tried that. We have a database showing that that doesn't work, and here's why it doesn't work and how to get around the problems. And uh, some people take that personally because it was such a great idea. Mm. But listen, 
over the years, we've had thousands of fantastically great ideas about remote viewing. Probably 90% of them didn't work at all. But, uh, you know, but they were good and logical. They sounded great. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. And, and, uh, you know, you really do have to, with anything, um, whether it's paranormal, uh, whether it's, whether it's things like targeted individuals, like we were talking about earlier, um, before the show, uh, you've got to learn to separate the wheat from the chaff. There's a lot of people out there claiming remote viewing programs. I mean, when I first heard about remote viewing was years ago, uh, I guess Coast to Coast AM was the first place that I heard about it. And I remember ordering the SRI Institute uh, videotape. I'm sure it's yeah. still in my mother's garage somewhere. I got to find that thing um, and transfer yeah. it to digital. But it was like this this little 15-minute tape that talked about the SRI program and what it was and everything else. And that was my introduction to the world of remote viewing. Um and my scope of that technology, and I say technology because it's like any tool, something that can make your life easier if properly used. Um, yeah. And and it really is a muscle that you have to learn to flex uh, and that you have to be okay yeah. with flexing. Um, at, at what point... Uh, does somebody who is a remote viewer, um, I guess, is is there a point that people step away from it? Um, like you were saying, some people go on to work with police agencies, things like that. Does it get too much for some people? Uh, sometimes it does. You know, uh, sometimes they're, Religious upbringing will will uh, the will cause a conflict, and when it does, they will choose the religion over the uh, remote viewing. The fact is that the two mesh perfectly. Um, I always tell people, you know, if God gave you a, an ability and you don't use it to help people, that's the sin. Yes. And one of the abilities he's given you is your intuitive ability. But, um, yeah, and some people find that uh, the practice is just too much work. And so they will drop out. And um, and other people 
will take the English one method and they get to go really, really great at it. And they'll get out on the internet and somebody will say, oh, you don't need that. All you need to do is, uh, you know, dance naked in the moonlight and you'll be great. And you're a remote viewer and they'll go off and try other things. And, um, one of the, one of the big things that draws people away is, uh, winning the lottery or winning at, uh, casinos and, uh, or winning ball games. And, uh, once they start getting the money because they're winning that, uh, missing children, uh, anything else that just goes by the wayside because mm. they're picking up money, you know? Well, and, and, you know, cause I, I remember at the conference there and there was, like, I attended a few, quite a few of the talks, um, yours, I, I was doing interviews as well while some of those were going on. And yeah. one of them that I remember, uh, I, I think I was interviewing you during it. Some, it was either you or John Brandenburg. Um, was about playing the ponies and yeah. and remote viewing. Um, how how and and I'm not calling into question the skills of remote viewing. Um, because they're you know I've I've heard of people remote viewing distant times. Um, I have heard of people remote viewing uh Mars, uh, sure the yeah. moon. All kinds of things. Um, and I am not one to dismiss the experiencer, um, especially when it comes to something as provable as remote viewing, uh, statistically yeah. provable and lab provable, um, to, to the point of like, let's put somebody in an anechoic chamber that you can't get radio waves through and they can still hit with pinpoint accuracy. Um, yes, absolutely. So yeah, I guess. It, at what point does it become witchery? You know, like are 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 the results of playing the ponies that accurate and that regular? Well, they can be. As far as witchery, I think it it gets rid of the witchery, yeah, because it uh, you know the mysticism is gone. You've got a protocol of interview and report. And there's no mysticism. There's no, uh, you know, your head swiveling around in circles and and floating up in the air or anything like this. There's, there's none of that. Um, but as far as the, um, uh, you know, winning the lottery, things like that, that also takes a lot of work. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a second form of remote viewing that was developed. And that's called associative remote viewing, developed at SRI too. And um, uh, it's easy to explain. It's hard to gain accuracy in it. Um, if I say to you that, um, um, okay, I take a piece of paper and I put down, if the Cowboys win, I'm going to give you some salt tonight at 10 o'clock. If the uh, hackers win, I'm going to give you some sugar at 10 o'clock. Okay? Okay. Now, 
I know what the tar- what the task is, what the target is, and all that. And you are a trained remote viewer. And I come to you and I say, tell me what you taste at 10 o'clock tonight. Mm, I taste salt. Okay. The only way you're going to taste salt is if the Cowboys win, I know who's going to win the game. Hmm. And uh, and doing it this way, the uh, the thing is, on this associative remote viewing, you're associating a taste with an outcome that's unknown. And with this associative remote viewing, uh, the principle is easy, but the practice of it can be very difficult. First of all, in the database, I have to know what you're good at. Are you good at taste? If you're not, hey, what are you good at? You're good at smells. Oh, if the Cowboys win, I'm going to let you smell some perfume. If the, you know, and uh, so you have to know your viewer. The viewer has to be trained and practiced and all that. And so it is also a thing where uh, it takes practice. It's not a parlor game, but um, um, one time. One of my students was very interested in, in the uh, ARV. And so I said, okay, I'll teach you the ARV. And uh, he called back a couple of months later and he said, hey, I just won the victory lottery. And I said, great, you know, and he called back the next month. I just won the victory lottery again. He called back, I guess about three months later. Hey, I just won the victory lottery again. And then I never heard from him again. And uh, a couple of years later, he came to one of the the IRVA conferences. I saw him drive up, and uh, he got out of his car, and I said, "Hey, how's that ARV going?" Oh, uh, well, well, I don't I don't really do that anymore. And uh, he turned around and got back into his Maserati and drove off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we have an analogy. If you find a gold ring in the backyard, you're going to tell all your neighbors. You dig a little deeper, and you find the whole chest full of gold. You're not telling anybody. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to tell a whole lot of people about the gold. That's right. And we have we have people who are taking this ARV and running with it, and uh, uh, getting getting some. Really fantastic results. I went using the ARV one time. I don't gamble. Okay. That's my upbringing. Uh, I went and sat across from a roulette wheel and predicted whether it's going to be, uh, the ball was going to drop into a black, red, or green spot, uh, on the wheel and got it right 22 times in a row. Just Unfailingly, got it right twenty-two times in a row. I will pay. And I went against to, to Vegas, Lynn. Well, I got in, you know trips. I got me, buddy. I went over and I bet ten dollars and lost it. <laughs> as soon as you try to use it for your own gain, go- goodbye. My second um, little kid said, "I ain't going to hell." Well, and it was, it was my trip to Irva that actually inspired me to buy my random number generator here. Um, yeah. And, and start kind of working on my own 
my own things with remote viewing and, and really just kind of starting to sharpen those muscles. Uh, what can people do, I guess, to, to, to try to start focusing these things before they sign up for your course? Uh, I tell people, first of all, stay off the internet. There are so many crazies and loonies and fakes out there that are yeah. just going to give you bad habits. Just stay off of the remote viewing bit on the internet mm. and uh, uh, because you will develop so many bad habits that when you start the training your first months of training is breaking bad habits so don't do that mm. uh, the other thing is um, get a notepad and keep it with you and whenever you get a, a feeling that something's going to happen or just a, and one of those intuitive ideas, write it down with the date that you, that you got it. And then when it does or doesn't happen, go back in that notebook and say, this did happen on such and such a date, or here it is a year later, never did happen. So I was wrong, you know, and uh, that's the beginning of keeping mm. data. And what that will show you is when you're right, and you will learn through that that uh, uh, being right in that intuition has a feeling to it. And you can start feeling and knowing when you're right about something's going to happen. Mm. And uh, I always tell people, you know, you try to do psychic work or something like that, no matter how wrong you are, your friends are going to say, yeah, yeah, you did right, you know, make excuses. Mm. No matter how right you are, the debunker is going to say, no, you were wrong, you didn't prove anything and all that. But the database and the documentation, that's going to be what tells you the truth that if you want the truth keep data and you know they used to always say show me your proof these days they say show me your data yeah yeah and once again the the data is there the the oh, yeah. there's been yeah. more than one study like you and uh, e even like you're saying, to keep your own data and to be willing to keep yourself honest within a process. Um, That's what, right. what yeah. is it now when keeping yourself honest, what, it, what is the, I guess, what's your general expiration date? Um, for, for a view, you know, let's say, let's say that you have intuitively seen something and you've sketched it down. Um, What's what's your go-to expiration date? Do you give yourself like six months before you're like, well, that wasn't on? Um, oh, no. In fact, you'll find uh, people out there on the Internet who are saying, uh, we're going to predict what's going to happen next month. Mm. And so uh, they'll say there's going to be a plane wreck. I'm sorry. There is a plane wreck every single month. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't go wrong. Or they'll say that an explosion or, you know, something like that. There's an explosion somewhere in the world every month. And um, 
And so in the CRV that was developed by the military, they wanted hard cool facts. And so once you get into the higher stages, there's a thing called a timeline where we have found an event's going to happen. We bring up that timeline tool and we tell when it's going to happen. And that may be a year from now. It may be tomorrow. Mm. But the minute we put that time down and say, whatever I saw will happen now, that's your expiration date. If it happened, if the same thing did happen a week later after you predicted, then you were wrong in your prediction, you know? So, uh, uh, yeah, because otherwise, the, otherwise, to have no expiration date on that data, like, leaves it totally yeah. open ended. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And it's it, like, am I psychic if I say tomorrow the sun will come up? You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, predictably, that's happened for millennia. So odds are, uh, you know, odds on favorite, you're, you're in the ballpark. Um, <laughs> now, there is uh, another thing you were talking about the influencing. Yes. Um, we have another analogy. Um, the police come to a remote viewer and they say, where will the criminal be at 9 o'clock tonight? And you do your session. You say, oh, he's going to be at Joe's Bar and Grill eating dinner. And so at 8.30, they go out and hide in the bushes. And at 8.45, he walks up to Joe's Bar and Grill. They jump out, arrest him, and at 9 o'clock, he's in jail. Well, you were wrong. But if you had said at 9 o'clock he's going to be in jail, they would never have gone out to Joe's Bar and Grill, and he would be sitting there eating dinner. And so the fact is that acting on a prediction will change the future. And so, like when we say uh, this event will happen one week from today, and we turn that information in, like to the intelligence services or to the CIA or something like that, they're going to act on it. So the next day we have to do another session to see if the future has changed. And if it has, then we turn that report in. The next day, they may have acted on that. So we, and the closer we get, the less effect an action that they take is going to have on the future. And so, we wind up with a high degree of active of accuracy, even though the initial prediction was correct at the time. Their actions on it will change the future, and so you have to keep doing updates. That's wow. nothing more than the weatherman does about the weather. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, by watching the ever shifting wind patterns can predict with some accuracy what's going on. Yeah. Now, and so here again, this controlled remote viewing is not a parlor game and it's not a, uh, it's not a toy. Mm. Um, it's not just, you know, close your eyes and, and be psychic. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a definite tool that can 
give you control not over not only over your own psychability, but over your own future. What your own finances and everything else. Well, and with that being said, what what caveats do you have for those that want to study remote viewing and and get into it? Is it is it all sunshine and roses? What are what are the warnings, if any? In training, I try to keep it all sunshine and roses. I don't give. Um... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blood and guts or anything like that. But uh, here again, I tell my students. Is there blood and guts? Oh, yeah. 9-11. murder scenes, uh, missing children, things like that. Uh, the police want to know about a missing child. And you start doing your session, and you have no way of knowing that that missing child may have been molested, murdered, cut up into pieces, and spread out across a, a, a square mile of land, you know. Wow. And uh, And you don't want to experience that. So, in training, we train you to remote view. We don't give you this. You get out on the internet, and somebody will say, um, uh, "I read a a news report in my town where there's a missing kid. I want you to remote view and tell me, you know, about the missing kid." Absolutely not. And when people uh, call me and they say uh, a family member has been taken and is missing and all that. I say, good. I will work for the police and all that. I don't work for them because anything you say is going to put them on an emotional roller coaster mm. and it's going to hit them against the police who are trying to solve the case. And so, uh, uh, yeah, there are pitfalls to this, and most of the pitfalls come from the internet. Sorry, no, but um, there's a lot of know. misinformation out there, man. And there, and uh, you know, that is one of the things that I caveat targeted individuals about. That is one of the things that I caveat paranormal oh. investigators about. Everything That's right. those, those rabbit holes that are there. Not that they aren't entertaining and fun. But you have to remember that it shows that you see on TV with people ghost hunting and there are things going off every three seconds. And they, yeah. they, 
that is entertainment <laughs> and entertainment value. Uh, that is, that is cool. not a, a 98 percentile of investigations. Um, not at all. That is, that is made and cut for television. Um, yeah, that's, and, that's, I call that self-made Hollywood. Well, well, you know, and there's, there's science and then there's sexy science. You know, oh, yeah. and and there's real sexy science in there. You know, rarely you're going to see the real sexy science. Um, that's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> that. That's the things like what Lockheed Martin just released that we talked about last Tuesday. Where hey, here's a miniature nuclear reactor that can fit into an F-16. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. That's the real sexy science that they've been working on for 20 years, man. And by the time you hear about it, it's still eight generations down the line from that. That's um, right. Yeah. So yeah, to to know that by the time the general public got wind and knowledge of you know Project Stargate and the basic definitions of remote viewing and everything else, by the time we got wind of that, these protocols were eight generations down the line. The the technology and the use of it was eight, nine generations down the line and way more honed than than the hack through the jungle, even though even though what was being used was far from hack from the jungle, you know, um, in comparison to the techniques now and the honing that it's had um, very much hacking its way through the jungle at that point, you know, Um, and. What what has been probably you mentioned nine eleven a few minutes ago. What what has been probably the most frightening thing for you um, that you viewed? If it's something that you're not read onto that you can share, um, what what's been what's been probably the experience that shook you to the core the most in your remote viewing time, Lynn? On the frightening thing, yeah. Um... I got a, um, um, not a personality profile, but a, um, plans and intentions task one time, uh, where you get into the mind of the person and get their plans and intentions. And, uh, it was a foreign leader, um, uh, a military leader, um, got into his mind, got his plans and intentions, and reported it. And there was something that was nagging at me. Uh, just, I, I couldn't pinpoint it, couldn't place what it was, but it was just this nagging feeling that I had missed something. And uh, at the subconscious level I had, I just hadn't picked up on it consciously. And so anyway, uh, that that was a Friday evening. I was driving home. I had about a, a two and a half hour drive home every day. And uh, uh, I was planning what I was going to do that weekend. And, you know, it was a beautiful weekend. So I was going to go out, cut the lawn, um, work on the car, and I was going to do all this other stuff. And I was going to build some stuff. And I was going to kill my wife. And I was going to do this other stuff. And I thought, wait a minute, what? What? Kill your wife. Yeah. And I thought, where in the world did that come from? Wow. And I just dismissed it. 
as being stupid, you know, I never would have done it. But um, when I came back to work the next week, uh, that military leader's wife had died under mysterious circumstances and there would be no investigation. Wow. And that's what I had, that's that nagging thing that I had missed. Uh, uh, and so, you know, uh, yeah, you can pick up on these things and, uh, and you know, it, I would never have killed my wife. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, yeah, you can pick up on things like this. That is, once again, much, much like your most incredible experience that, that moved you. Um, that must be a stealing moment for you to know that uh, that information passed through you at the least. Um, well, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, we had been tasked with uh, what's going to be in the newspaper uh, on the following Sunday morning. And this was on a, this is on a Thursday. And, uh, so I got that there was going to be a nuclear meltdown and, uh, described it, described the purpose of it, described how it happened and everything else. And, uh, turned that in on Friday. And Sunday, there was nothing in the paper about it. And on Monday, there was nothing in the paper about it. I think it was, Tuesday or Wednesday before they came out and said there's been a nuclear meltdown in uh, in Chernobyl. Wow. And I had described it completely. And uh, we were scored on this. And I had described everything about the Chernobyl meltdown to a T. And, of course, I got a zero for it, my score, because that was not what showed up in the Sunday paper. Mm. <laughs> and that was the task. Yeah, yeah. And here's, that's the military attitude toward the viewing, yeah. Well, well, and the and the statistical attitude toward the viewing. Like, great that you saw it, that's well, awesome, but the target was Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> the target was the Sunday paper. And I had been attracted to the, uh, to the meltdown. Mm. Uh, now the meltdown did happen, I think, on Friday. No, uh, no. Friday, or Saturday, Friday or Saturday, I'm not sure which. But no. it didn't make the news. It didn't make the news for almost almost half a week. How 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 often is it that news things? I like you said, one of the best things you can do if you want to start remote viewing is ignore the internet. Get away from the internet. Get away from the internet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This this mass barrage that we have of media, video, audio, everything in the world around us, um, how much does that influence the results of a remote viewing session? Well, this is one of the parts of training. Uh, you you have to learn how to uh, ignore pollution, no matter how strong it is. Mm. Uh, one of the things that we would do is uh, 
somebody would be going over to do a practice session. We didn't do this when it was a real operational session. And uh, uh, stand at the coffee pot. The viewer is going to go over and do a practice session. And they come up, get their coffee, and take it over to the other building so they can do their work. And uh, right as they turn around to walk out the door, you say, your target this time is probably not the Eiffel Tower, and turn around and walk off. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and then they, they have to fight that because you planted it in their mind. They have to fight that. And it teaches them how to ignore pollution. Gotcha. And this is a very big part of learning CRV. This is why it takes so long. Yeah. Learning the, learning the procedure is fast and easy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But learning to do it with accuracy, that's what takes the practice, practice, practice. Wow. And, and what an incredible talent and skill uh those that i know who are remote viewers and the the results that they're able to get um i i would love to have you on again and again lynn uh this topic is so entirely fascinating to me um and just just to think of the possibilities of remote viewing like like we said at the top of the show to to know that it's being used in space exploration Things like that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, oh, thank you. I mean, <laughs> you are more than welcome to come on anytime. Um, before we let you go, uh, let everybody know one last time where they can go to find your lessons, where they can go uh, to follow your remote viewing work, things like yeah. that. Okay. Um the lessons are all online now, and you can link to them at crview, crviewer, C-R-V-I-E-W-E-R dot com. Also, uh, if you look at Remote View Ranch, uh, I got a little windfall in and bought a ranch, and we're building it up to be a training center for remote viewing. Uh, not only for my class, but also for uh, all qualified CRV trainers and uh, military if they need it, if want it, and and so forth. Uh, so it's a it's a GoFundMe thing to uh, to get the place built and all. After uh, after buying the ranch, <laughs> that was that was my donation to the ranch and so now then yeah and uh, it's remote view ranch that's all one word dot com uh, it has right now a uh, piece of malware on it so it'll come up it's not a virus 
it's called a clickbait, whereas you click a button, uh, it takes you to some advertiser. Like if you click the button that says contact Lynn Buchanan, right now it takes you to a dog trainer in New Zealand. Uh, oh no! Uh, I've, yeah, I've definitely had my website hacked. I've got the I've got the GoFundMe dot com up right now. So yeah, um, uh, that that's at least the official um, <laughs> that people can go to. I've I've definitely had my website hijacked. I remember the night that the night that we had anonymous on the show. I had a very good friend of mine who's a security professional, like swatting people away from my servers. Um, (laughs) 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 That was, that was a wild evening of broadcast. I remember when we ended, it was like, wow, wow. Like 20 minutes before we went live, my whole website went down uh, from attack. So it was, it was interesting. Um, But uh, on the website, there's, uh, there's a link to me. And uh, I am getting like between 100 and 150 email a day. So I'm having a hard time keeping up with it. But if anybody has any questions, they can just drop me an email and I'll do my best to get them answered. All right. Well, Lynn, please do hold the line while we close out this segment real quick and take our uh, listeners off to commercial uh, we'll be right back with you, Lynn, while you are online checking out all of the amazing work of Lim Buchanan. Make sure to stop on by Curious Realm. CuriousRealm.com forward slash knowledge is our knowledge vault. That's where you can find all of those declassified government program documents, folks. Make sure to stop on by CuriousRealm.com forward slash story. If you're a whistleblower, if you are an experiencer of the paranormal, if you're a witness to UFOs, Sasquatch, what have you, feel free to stop on by. You can anonymously share your story and we will use your experience in future episodes with our experts and authors. So uh, stay tuned, folks. Right after this, we will have our good friend and MUFON field investigator, Sev talk on the show to talk about recent cases and investigative techniques with MUFON right after this. With the rise in attention to the health benefits of cannabis and cannabinoids, including CBD, True Hemp Science has become one of the premier providers of full-spectrum CBD and CBD-related products. Using a proprietary spigeric process, True Hemp Science extracts maximum benefit from the whole hemp plant. Buds, leaves, stems, seeds, even roots... Every part of the plant is used and then reused to formulate a rich, complex profile of CBD, CBD derivatives, and terpenes guaranteed to provide the relief and benefits you need daily. 
Visit TrueHempscience.com to experience the best CBD oils, edibles, and topicals on the market today. And use code CURIOUS7 to save 7% off your entire purchase of $50 or more and get two 25-milligram CBD cookies or brownies free. That website again is TrueHempscience.com and the code is CURIOUS7. Have you considered starting a podcast, looking for a way to make your business a voice of authority in an industry? Then Podcast Cadet is the solution for you. Whether starting a podcast for yourself, your brand, business, school, church, or just plain fun, Podcast Cadet is here to help you navigate the waters of the podcast industry. Specializing in one-on-one consultation and training with industry professionals in fields ranging from podcast technology and editing to distribution, monetization, and even social media strategies, Podcast Cadet tailors their services to the specific needs of you and your podcast. Do you already have a podcast and trying to find ways to engage and grow your audience? Sign up for your Podcast Cadet audit today. And let us help you explore new and exciting ways to leverage your content and elevate your podcast brand to whole new levels. From consultational workshops to affordable podcast production and maintenance packages, Podcast Cadet is your one-stop shop for everything podcast-related on the Internet. Visit PodcastCadet.com today to sign up for your consultation or training. And use code CURIOUS20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. That website again is podcastcadet.com. Curious Realm Podcast is your source for the latest and greatest news and events in the world of the paranormal, esoteric, and forbidden knowledge. And there's no better way to spark the conversation than with items from the Curious Realm store. Choose from fan favorites like hoodies, mouse pads, coffee mugs, and more. Buy books and items from your favorite Curious Realm guests. Get your hands on the latest gear for paranormal investigations and experiments we discuss on the show. Open your web browser and stop on by the Curious Realm store at CuriousRealm.com forward slash store to buy the latest Curious Realm wear and out-of-this-world gifts for yourself, your family, or a mind that you want to open. That website again is CuriousRealm.com forward slash store well hello everybody and welcome back from our commercial break thank you so much to all of our sponsors especially uh 
True Hemp Science. Christopher Lynch out there is an amazing alchemist is the only way I can put it. Um, his, his CBD is absolutely phenomenal. It's the only stuff that I use. That's why I have them as a sponsor. Stop on by and check them out. TrueHemScience.com. Make sure to use the code Curious7. Get 7% off your entire cart. Our guest this segment is the amazing Sev Talk. She is the author of You Have the Right to Talk to Aliens. She was the uh, MUFON Symposium MC this last year, and she is a part of the MUFON Experiencer Resource Team, which is what we're talking about this evening, uh, how MUFON gets out in the field and how they handle experiencers, uh, how they take the account in, um, how they deal with what is sometimes a very traumatic event for people. So welcome back to the show, Sev. How are you? Hi, Chris. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me return. I'm very grateful. Always. We love talking with you since since our first meeting and to see you now come to the point of being hip deep involved uh, with your local MUFON, uh, with your state MUFON office mm -hmm. and going out and being a part of this amazing experiencer resource team, which we'll be getting into. But first, for those who may not know, who may be hearing your story for the first time, explain to them. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, how you came to be an experiencer to begin with, Sev? It's been happening since I was a little girl, and I had been in complete denial about it until 2018. So I'm pretty new to coming out. Uh, it's the best thing I've ever done. But I was very, very, very afraid to admit that I was having this ET contact, and I certainly didn't tell anybody, and I just kept it inside for decades. And uh, that caused a lot of problems. Uh, this is something I do encourage experiencers to come out. If you don't want to come out to anybody else or write a book or do TV shows, you don't have to do that. But it's important that yeah. you come out to yourself. Because if you don't come out to yourself, you're hiding a very important reality about yourself. You're not expressing your authenticity. And really, the happiest way to be a human being is to be an authentic one. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, a, a prime example of that, uh, for instance, is, is your own mentor, Kathleen Martin, uh, who recently made a post on social media talking about, hey, for those of you who've wondered where I've gone, like I, I haven't gone anywhere. It's just that my research has taken a different path than yes, than happening. The, there's a shift. Yeah, yeah. Where where it's become much more of a spiritual journey. Uh, 
Yes, it's become much more of an interdimensional, multidimensional event. So uh, maybe some people are thinking about uh, a MUFON field investigator mm -hmm. getting a case and then getting in our car and, and driving out somewhere and taking uh, all kinds of measurements and uh, all kinds of other uh, types of um, uh, readings and things, um, soil samples and all those kind of things. Sure. That doesn't happen that much anymore because really the bulk of the ET contact is happening in an interdimensional way. And uh, these often feel like dreams. And so that's why a lot of people are confused and they're thinking that these are dreams, but uh, often they are not dreams. They're real events. They're just happening in this world where our culture does not really like to talk about or support. And that's why yeah. so many of us are so quiet about it. And that's why so many of us are actually having ET contact, but don't know it. Well, well, and it's interesting because through interviewing folks like yourself, uh, through interviewing people like Kathleen Barden a few times, who you connected me with, um, and, and other researchers, it's interesting to see the... The paranor the true paranormal aspect that has come about with ET contact, um, and, and even the aftermath of contact where people have started, the only way to really say it is being bestowed upon with abilities, um, be it healing abilities, ESP, things mm -hmm. like that. And I, I want to read a segment from your book here, which I, I oddly enough, Marked as a question point, and you just brought it up. This is from page 99, uh, the chapter Time Warp. And um, these vortexes are known as time warp portals or wormholes. These are doors between the multi-dimensions. ETs enter and exit through these doors, sometimes taking you with them. Some of my ET contacts are through these portals. My body is taken through a time warp and replaced back into Earth time. To someone watching me, it would appear as if I, as if I hadn't left at all. I, I can enter a time warp and be back so quickly. It doesn't look like I left. It is mind blowing stuff. Um, let's get into that for a moment because like, like you're saying, uh, the, these portals seem to be coming, be becoming more common with people's experiences. Yes. Yes, the acknowledgement of them is. They've always existed, mm. but we're acknowledging them. Because as a society and as a culture, uh, we, well, I started yoga in 1985. 1985 is when I started yoga. And back then, people didn't really, were kind of laughing about it. They thought it was kind of silly. Now yoga oh. is so common. Same thing with meditation. I've yeah. been meditating since elementary school. And now meditation is not strange. I almost became an acupuncturist when I graduated from Loyola. And uh, I didn't because an acupuncturist actually talked me out of it saying it's still kind of poo-pooed. Now mm. it's not poo-pooed at all. So yeah. all of this is part of this transformation of we where we have expanded our consciousness and our awareness. So now we can have these interdimensional, multidimensional experiences and be more uh, open, receptive, and accepting to them. Uh, whereas before, before when we poo-pooed yoga and we poo-pooed acupuncture and we poo-pooed yeah. meditation, we just weren't ready to understand this sort of communication. Oh yeah, most definitely. And and like you're saying, uh, when it, 
that you started doing yoga, uh, it was still very much in the quote new age movement. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's right up there with uh, crystal meditation. And uh, that's when I guess uh, not when chakras came about, but when they came to the Western <laughs> world, so to speak, um, and became common knowledge and people started talking about them. Uh, even recently, my wife in one of her mom's groups, uh, somebody was talking about her woo woo friend who believed in crystals and crystal energy. And I was like. If she mentions it again, make sure to point out the cell phone in her hand and, you know, the liquid crystal display and the vibrating crystal that picks up her voice and gives her sound through her ear. (laughs) And I gave her like five or six different ways that crystals were literally being used in a cell phone in her hand right now. Um, (laughs) So it's like you can go woo woo all you want, but it's pretty well science. Um, Oh, I do something to say about crystals you know tomorrow night is a lunar eclipse yes red moon i would suggest anyone who has crystals to put them outside so they can absorb that fantastic energy oh absolutely and and you know it it's interesting talking about the portals uh transportation to other places like you talk about being transported to the moon Yes. um during one of your during one of your visitations with these beings and yeah. Uh, just before we had you on, we had uh, Lim Buchanan, who was one of the heads of the remote viewing program uh, with the U.S. military. And just talking with him about the idea and, and even the idea that the whole remote viewing program came from a piece of work by a laser scientist talking about the, the strange principle that um, an atom has to be aware that it's being observed in order to stop and be observed. Um, yes. And and the fact that uh, phenomenologically scientists affect their experiments yep. by, by literally the intent of their experiment. Um, and how can you prevent that from happening? And that, yes. that work in vibration and how we affect the world around us is what led to the world of remote viewing. And it's interesting to see that now that work, um, not only at the MUFON conference, did I hear about uh, the shift of vibration with people in visitations. Kathleen Marden talked about a person uh, who, who had a close encounter that they were basically shifted to another dimension via vibration and able yeah. to penetrate the skin of the craft and and how put off even even talked about that experience at the the remote viewing association conference this last year so mm-hmm. um these are they, like how put off is one of the physicists that was behind remote viewing and and the processes yes. and the science so yes. um to to see these things coinciding now Mm-hmm. is is really really interesting and for for anybody who might be wondering you know much how how much of the portals things like that can be believed uh let's let's get into that real quick sev and how how the cases as of late have been pointing that direction 
Well, I am a field investigator for MUFON, and I'm also on the executive committee of the Experiencer Resource Team. And as a field investigator, I deal with the 3D aspects of a sighting. And with the Experiencer Resource Team, or the ERT, that is more the multidimensional. Those are cases where people have direct contact with a non-human being, whereas just the regular field investigative work, there is no direct contact usually. Uh, so if I get a field investigator case, uh, it's often somebody saw something in the sky moving in an erratic way, or we're getting a lot of reports about orbs, orbs more than ever, orbs everywhere. And so as a field investigator, then I have to go in and I have to uh, look up a lot of stuff. I have to look at what the weather was like. I have to look at what the uh, what was going on with the stars and the planets. I look at uh, um, any satellites that are going by. I check out any airports that are nearby. Are there any military bases that are nearby? And then I look to see if anyone else reported anything like that in the same time frame. So there's a lot of investigation that goes into these uh, cases that we're assigned. So so that is for what I would call a typical uh, case where someone sees something in the sky. Uh, now, when it comes to ex the experience of resource team, that's completely different because now we're dealing with people who've made contact. And like you said, uh, this can be an existential crisis for some people as it was for me. Yeah. And uh, so not only are we trying to get uh, the information, but we're also trying to help them uh, mentally and spiritually as much as we can. So just by talking to them, letting them know that we're listening and we're not uh, judgmental uh, and we're here to help them as much as possible, usually soothes the witness. Uh, we can also offer uh, experiencer groups for them to join. Uh, we have a list of vetted regression therapists and other uh, therapists that we can offer to them. Uh, and so uh, the work with the ERT, there's only about 50 of us around the world that do this. Uh, and I have to tell you, it's extremely rewarding. It's really, really a wonderful feeling to meet an experiencer who is very afraid, who tells me this is the first time I've even talked about it, but I just had mm. to get it out of my chest and I'm really afraid. I can't go to sleep at night. I can't turn the lights off. And then after talking with them, and we don't talk with them just once or twice. I mean, I have uh, witnesses that I've talked with for months. They just want to continue having uh, interaction. And, uh, and by the way, we don't get paid for any of this. This is all volunteer work. Uh, and it's very rewarding to have someone come to me in a scared state and then eventually uh, transform into a state where they're not as afraid, they can turn the lights off, they don't have the TV on, yeah. and they start to understand that this is not a situation of victimization. This is why I don't like to use the word abduction. Abduction mm. implies victimization. I do believe our higher selves are always at play. Our lower selves might not know what's going on, but our higher selves are asking for this experience. So when we, when we talk with an experiencer, we try to help them understand what 
are you learning from this? Why do you think it's happening to you? What are you learning from this spiritually? Uh, and that information is profound, and it really does help the person uh, adopt a different perspective about who they are, about who we are, and why we're here. Oh, absolutely. And especially their place within at least the phenomena that they experienced. Uh, there, There is more than one person that I've interviewed just on this show where it is it is driven relationships apart in their life oh, uh, yes. with with people that they had mutual experience with where they just uh, like you said did not talk about it uh, yeah that happened with terry lovelace yeah you know, terry lovelace uh, he's such a kind gentleman that's exactly who i'm referencing without actively oh, saying his name <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Uh, but, <laughs> love you, Terry. Um, but yeah, yeah, because like he and his buddy, you know, like rolling as an EMT, that's that's the same as like being a beat cop with somebody. You know, you you save lives, you lose lives together. Oh. Um, and and to know that after his experience with his friend, that his their friendship just dissolved and disintegrated from not talking about it. And yeah, just this and suffering his silence. Died. His friend died. Yeah, yeah. We don't. I, I don't. I don't think Terry knows why he died. When I asked Terry why did your friend die at that time, I don't believe he knew why. Mm. Um, I'm not sure about that, but uh, yeah, that's pretty sad. Uh, so here we have two people. One person has decided they're going to face it. And they're going to deal with it and they're going to process it and they're going to move through it. And another person is like, I cannot even go there. And then imagine that turmoil. Uh, it, I'm not saying this happened to Terry's friend, but there are people who uh, do consider suicide over this. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, because um, there, there, there comes a point of ridicule sometimes that is that is very sad uh, with with any um, experience of the unexplainable. Mm -hmm. um, and and especially when you're in the position that Terry was and, and was for years after that, you know, uh, where where he was literally a, an assistant attorney general. You yeah. know, um, there were cases that may have been retried if he'd come out in the middle of his career. You yeah. know, um, so the repercussions of knowing that and having that responsibility there mm -hmm. um, can can even further crush somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then another big thing is, why is it happening to me? And I when I first well, what happened was I moved here to the inner banks of North Carolina in 2017. And on my second night here, I had this uh ET contact where they burned with the grays and they burned two red X marks into my back. And that is when I couldn't deny it anymore. And that is when I decided to seek some help. And that's when I came across Kathy Martin, who helped me tremendously. She's now a friend of mine. She actually visited me here at my home a couple of months ago. Uh, and she's my mentor. And, uh, um, and, then, even after I talked to Kathy, and as helpful as she was, there was still a part of me 
that was still questioning things. So I told myself, well, you know, I don't have to do anything with this information. I'm just going to sit on it and then just let it organically develop. And then a couple months later, I woke up and I decided I'm writing a book and I'm actually going to come out. And it was a shock to me. And then when the book came out in uh, just a couple of weeks later, uh, AlienCon in Baltimore, uh, 2018 contacted me and said that uh, I was a speaker. So I had my coming out in Baltimore uh, at the Alien Con. And uh, I had a lot of experiences in Baltimore because I lived in Baltimore for 20 years. So it was really the perfect place for me to come out. And that's where I learned uh, experiencers, there's lots of them and they need someone to talk to. So that that convention changed my life. Well, and and to to drive that point home a little bit more, uh, from page fifty five on your book, during uh, in the chapter conference with the Greys, I've been afraid of Greys since childhood with no rational explanation. Because of my fear, I have never read a book about UFOs, Greys, or abductions. Little do I know that my fear is about to be catapulted off the charts very soon. Um, yeah. That was that was once upon a time your experience. Uh, that is that is how things were for you at one point and the mentality in which you lived. How did how did you shift that? Well, first of all, thank you for reading parts of my book. Oh, absolutely. For that. Yeah, that's really nice of you. Uh, how did I shift it? Well, it was what happened here on the inner banks when those two red X's were put in my back and I had a conscious memory of being partially paralyzed on a table with a gray behind me. And uh, that is what shook me. Uh, I couldn't deny these X's and I have pictures of them on my website. I have pictures of them on my Facebook page, Instagram, you can, uh, and my book. Uh, you can't deny that that is a frickin' X burned into my back. And to this day, no one has an explanation as to where that could come from. The little dots, it's comprised of nine little dots and they're equidistant. I've had people measure them. And uh, I had one um, the second night I moved here. And then nine days later, there was another one uh, right across from the first one. And that is what shook me. That is what catapulted me into finally facing it. Uh, because back then, I thought it was the, the grays were evil. And I thought they were victimizing me. I thought they were playing I thought they were toying with me. So I had to understand what was happening. So I, at the time, so I can make them stop. Now I have a completely different viewpoint. I see now that they were helping me and I have no desire to ask them to stop because they're still helping me as are other beings. And, and what was, what was that moment for you that I guess was the flip of the switch where where you went from victim to understanding, because once again, even as you said in your own words, uh, catapulted into a world of fear. Um, but so you you were already fearsome of these things since your experiences from eight years old and beyond um, to the point of repressing the memories and thinking that they were something else. So. At, at your point of acceptance, what was it that, I guess, changed your mind to a different understanding of your experience with the Greys and these other entities? 
That's a good question. Well, it's uh, it was a long time coming because I'm a transformational coach, and I started this work in 2012. So I've been doing this uh, for quite a while. And as a transformational coach, I I help people dig deep down inside. Uh, to understand uh, mental beliefs that they have that are just preventing them from success or progress. I talk a lot about the energy that we radiate and how the energy that we radiate is determined by our mind, our belief system, and how that creates our reality. So I'd been doing that work for quite a while, and it finally got to the point, I had been digging deep for quite a while. I uh, My second marriage ended. Uh, it was abusive. And after that, I'm like, man, I'm a victim. I've been divorced twice, and the common denominator is me. So I'm not going to blame them. I'm going to blame me. What am I doing? Why am I playing the victim here? And so along that search, then came this whole ET thing that I had to face because I also thought they were victimizing me. So as I was moving through understanding why I think I'm a victim, which is a lie, I'm not a victim, why did I accept that, though? It's through conditioning, through family, through society, through culture. Many of us have the victim vibe. It's probably the heaviest vibe uh, that uh, my clients have, the victimization. And so once I started moving through that, then came the ET block. And I had to address it in order to remove this victimization vibe. Once I faced it, I saw, oh my gosh, they're not victimizing me either. Then my life completely changed. I lost the victim vibe. Now I feel I'm in control of my reality and I can create my reality to my liking. How has that changed your specifically your one on one experience with these entities? Well, I don't fear them anymore. I'm not in fear of them at all. Uh, I'm not in fear of any entity, although I did have uh, that astral men in black, uh, which was uh, a scary experience. Um, but that was the energetic battle, which I won uh, because it's all just uh, energy. Uh, um, did I answer your question? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. And it because it, it, it's hard to quantify. Um, and your your answer about losing fear uh, is absolutely beautiful because I think it's a message that uh, so many of us need to learn regardless of paranormal experience or UFO UAP experience or close encounter experience. Um, but specifically, experiencers, I think, need to learn to look at their experience through fresh eyes like you did. Um, yes, and not to be victimized by it. So yeah. if we think we're victimized by it, then it's scary because we think we're out of control. So if we realize, oh my gosh, my higher self is in play here. There's a reason I want this. Why do I want this? Because there's a reason, uh, something that's going to help me become uh, a better human. You know, I say better in quotes, or just help me function as a human because being a human is a very, very difficult thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, when we do the work necessary uh, to face those dark sides, uh, those dark portions of ourselves um, that really prevent uh, happiness 
that work um, many people are not willing to do. Uh, and that work needs to be done. It's also in an ET contact situation because are you going to view your ET contact as being victimized or are you going to view your ET contact as help to help you live uh, a happier life on earth? Which perspective are you going to take? And the thing is, it's not like you have one perspective. If you think you're a victim, then you're a victim on Earth. You're a victim on another planet. You're a victim in another dimension. Yeah. You're a victim wherever you go. It's not like I'm a victim on Earth, but I'm not a victim when I'm dealing with the ETs. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. That is the modality and vibration in which you have chosen to live. Yes. Is, is a victim modality. And, yeah, and that's really not a comfortable way to live. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, you know, once again, I think that we all need to reexamine ourselves spiritually mm -hmm throughout our lives um, and consider that and consider how how often we are looking at or judging situations because of previous traumas we've been through. And even for you to bravely admit, Sev, that um, it was it was partially your abusive relationship that was making you see these experiences in that light in yeah, a I continued way. Me too. Yes. Um, I thought everything was abusing me. I thought that uh, everything and everyone around me was determining how I was going to feel. Now yeah. we all know it's the opposite. Well, well, and that is why I think that you are such a shining example, not only of an experiencer, but uh, of somebody that should be on the experiencer resource team. Because, uh, you. well, it, it it truly does. There's one thing to being empathetic to a situation there's another thing to having been in that situation and and having having been um i guess in a situation where even socially people might not believe you to begin with um yeah much much less um talking about any kind of paranormal experience Right. Now, uh, my book came out in 2018, and here it is just four years later, and look how far we've come. It's all yeah. over the news now. So it's not as scary to come out as it used to be. And plus, now there's so many forums to get help through yeah. social media that uh, decades ago, there, it was very hard to find help. You know, well, that, so easy. That is something that we talk about regularly with uh, Reverend Michael Carter is is the fact that back back in you know 15 20 years ago trying to find a help group trying to find a group of fellow experiencers to even have common knowledge with or have a common conversation without being judged was near impossible right and and now you can find them pretty regularly online and there are reputable ones out there and there's you know even things like mufon and stuff like that where you can reach out to. Um, I'd like to say something about uh, joining MUFON. Sure. MUFON is a member. And uh, so we have state chapters. So say you join the North Carolina MUFON, California MUFON, whatever MUFON, whatever state you're living in. 
that chapter has free guest speakers and yep. free meetings that you can attend either in person or on Zoom. For instance, uh, the North Carolina MUFON is going to have Kathleen Martin as the guest speaker uh, Wednesday night. And if you're part of the chapter, you can come to this free Zoom meeting, listen to Kathy talk and directly interact with her and ask her yep. questions. Uh, so it's really cool to join MUFON because you really have this direct link with uh, experiencers and ufologists and researchers from all over the world who come as guest speakers and you have access to them. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, it is it is not only that, it is amazing the community that's there, even my wife. Uh, who who you had a chance to meet yeah. in in Denver? She's she's been going to improv comedy festivals for years, podcasting festivals. Uh, mm -hmm. She's been to numerous comic cons with me, things like that. And she was like, I cannot say that I have found a better energy group of people Aww. to be around than this Mufon crowd. She's like, everybody is so willing. To share their story and share their experience, and no, no ad for Mufon, but I'm a lifetime member. Uh, the oh, Mufon yeah. Journal is yeah. is one of my favorite things to get every month. Um, mm -hmm. It's fantastic. You get tons of witness sightings, reports, um, mm -hmm. great articles, things like that. Uh, it really is a fantastic community of research and archiving of experience. I think I think that more than the field research itself uh does more than anything. Oh um, yes, to hear about other people's experiences definitely helps people come out. Well, that's why on my website planetsep.com I share stories anonymously and I also share pictures and drawings. Yep. Uh, and I think it's really important that we share our stories. We don't have to tell our names if we don't want to. I understand that. Yeah. But it's really important. Uh, yeah, there you, yes, you found it on my website. So you click on True ET Stories, and if you scroll down, you'll see from all over the world, people have contacted me with stories and shared their pictures and their drawings. And there may be something that happened uh, to one of our listeners. If you read through this and you'll realize, oh, my God, I'm not the only one. Yeah. And it gives you some peace. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I've, I have recently actually started up an experiencer page on our website for the same thing. So that if somebody has had an experience, we can come to people like you with it and, and talk about it. Because may, maybe they... Um, are too intimidated to come on a show, but they're willing to type it out um, yeah. and anonymously share their experience. And uh, like I said, I think that that of anything is one of the most important things that MUFON has carried forward mm. over. Uh, well, since since its inception is not only the field research, but the archiving of experience. Yes. Uh, and the archiving of shared experience by people. Mm -hmm. Um and and I think that that of anything is is really the true gem and treasure of of Mufon is all of the stories that they have gathered and all of the witness experiences that they've gathered. Mm -hmm. Yes, it really is remarkable the depth of their database. Honestly, yeah, uh, it's really extraordinary. Well, and with that being said, what is what is one of the most I guess incredible experiences that you have 
helped out with with the ERT? All right, I'm thinking because there's a couple of them that are coming to my mind right away. Uh, well, um, I can tell you about two of them. They're both Please. in North Carolina. And uh, so, first of all, I asked the question, uh, men in black. So there are men in black that we know about that come knock on your door and scare you. But there's also men in black that I call astral men in black. And uh, I've come in contact with an astral men in black. And we're not really quite sure what these astral men in black are, who they're with, who sends them, are they working for somebody, but they have a very negative um, vibe to them often, not always, but often. Mine had a horrible vibe to it. And so recently, uh, there's a, a, a gentleman out on the western part of North Carolina who had this men in black experience, an astral men in black experience, where he felt himself lifted off his bed and then he just went out through the window. Uh, we were talking about frequency change, and that's what they do is they change uh, our frequencies so that we can just dissolve through the walls and through the ceilings and through the windows. And then he found himself in a field, and there was a men in black there. And then the men in black took him um, through this door on the side of a hill, and he saw what looked like a big train station, and there was this big... Uh, rectangular uh, um, it's almost like a small room but in it was a lot of molten metal rods and uh, some other humans came in that he interacted with he saw a human in front of a large screen playing with uh, these knobs and then there were symbols all over the screen we get a lot of um, symbols well a lot of people are given symbols that's a very interesting topic and uh, there were other shadow beings there and uh, when I gave my book talk a couple weeks ago uh, at a, a local indie bookstore, a man came and he said, I'd like to tell you about my experience. And it was almost exactly the same as this person's experience. Wow. And I like, well, yeah, he talked about the door on the side of the hill and going in through this door. And I was like, whoa, you're not the only one that's had that experience. So I've connected them so they can talk. That's the beauty of talking. Now, is that what people would call an alien or an E.T.? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Well, and uh, you know, um, I, I am I am hesitant, Sev, whenever it comes to those things. Uh, I I I suppose I'm a purist when it comes to stuff. I am willing to say that is a UFO. That is an object flying through the sky that we do not know what it is. Um, yeah. Am I going to it, it, just with my realm of experience uh, jump to the fact that it is extraterrestrial? No, mm -hmm. um, that's that's just my logic taking over. Um, I, I doubt nobody's experiences. I doubt I do not doubt your experiences, anything like that until proven otherwise. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think that most of the sightings that we see uh, 
tend to tend to dwell in the world of explainable in some way, shape or form. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like the lights in the sky. Absolutely. A lot of them can be provable. Yes, a- absolutely. And <laughs> and what we have to focus on is, yeah, that eight to 10 percent that are truly anomalous. Uh, and even even whenever I deal with um, targeted individuals and come out and scam properties for radio waves, things like that. Um, one of the telltales for me is if people get concerned to begin with when I start bringing out Geiger counters first <laughs> and, and a gas de- a gas leak detector and, and a carbon monoxide detector and things like that. They're like, oh, what's all that for? It's like, well, let, let's get rid of the common things that it could be first, you right. know, and, and yeah. get to where we leave the anomaly. But let's let's check all these off the list and make sure that you aren't maybe living over a fault line and Correct. and have some gamma radiation leaking through your sub basement you know the thing to have is if you're an experiencer and this is happening to you often and if you have marks it's good to get a uv light you can get one for mm. 15 $20 if you shine it on there there'll be if an et this seems like et's leave this phosphorescent is that the right word or fluorescent light yeah. Yeah. On you, and when you shine the UV uh, flashlight on it, you can see it. Interesting, interesting. And, you know, a minute ago, you were talking about the commonality of these symbols. Even even yourself having symbols emblazoned on you through a couple of experiences, how, how common is it that something like that happens? Well, it uh, uh, symbols are usually... Uh, given to the experiencer, they're either shown to the experiencer through ah. telepathically or they're shown on a screen in a ship or in a room or they are shown on their bedroom wall. And uh, I've also uh, received um, symbols telepathically. And uh, the symbols that I have uh, received are very similar to um, Sumerian writing. It's a series of lines and dots. Uh, Now, some people have had geometric uh, symbols put on their body, as I have, um, and it still continues to happen. On my Facebook page, I just recently posted this series of um, pictures about this geometric mark that keeps showing up on my uh, thighs, and uh, and then they're burn marks. First they look like bruises, and then they turn into burn marks, and then they turn into these, you can clearly see a geometric shape there. So the X on my tush, it happened on my left cheek, and then it happened on my right cheek. A lot of people uh, ask, what is the significance of the X? Well, X is an ancient symbol. Uh, there's lots of um, research going into what is the meaning of X. I'm not sure what the meaning of X is. X marks the spot. Uh, But uh, I do believe that uh, I was marked in an area that helped uh, release kundalini energy. When kundalini is released, you have this undeniable, overwhelming need to know the truth, starting with yourself. And that's what happened to me. Interesting. And, you know, once again, to see just over the last few years since 
I first had you on the previous incarnation of this show, which was shortly after you published uh, beer. your book. What's that? Dudes and beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it was a great show. It got to the point where it could not grow any further under that name. So it's been amazing to see where it's come since then. And it's been more amazing, like I said, to see where you have come. Over the last few years, uh, even even with your own sharing your own story and the ease with which you share your story and your experience and the changes that you went through personally when dealing with this. Yeah, I, it's the best thing I ever did is to come out because my life has changed really beautifully. Uh, I'm really at peace. I feel like I'm in control. I'm very, very, very conscious of the energy that I radiate. I'm very conscious about the thoughts in my mind. And I'm all about being of service. I wake up every morning and I say, I'm of service. How can I be of service? And that's such a nice feeling. Every time I see it, I, I say that. I just feel this rush of energy run through me. And so with that comes, uh, it's um, not only peace, but what goes away is society's brainwashing of um, getting, 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 doing, 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 being, 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 mm. you know, all just like what society tells you what your life should look like and how you should look like and what you should be accomplishing. Like all of it, all of that just disappears. It's not important anymore. And what happens is you create your reality. You create the successes that you want, not that society wants to have for you or not that your parents want you to have. You create the, the kind of life that gives you peace where you want to live, not where your family thinks you should live. So what happens is all of a sudden you're really redirected to pay attention to your heart. And there then the bond between the heart and the mind, that highway actually opens up. And if you live your life um, paying attention to the signals between the heart and the mind, uh, you really do find that uh, manifestation happens very quickly. Um, you're very aware of synchronicity. And everything just, it's like you can take a big breath and like a lot of burdens are just, just, just thrown off your shoulders. And it, it's just a way of living without feeling frazzled and without feeling stressed. Yeah, absolutely. And it, one, one quick question. Uh, it, it, there have been... A lot of things going on in the community as far as CE5 protocols, things like that. Yeah. Uh, communicating with other beings via telepathy, that kind of stuff. Um, do you see any precautions in that? Do you see yeah. any issues with that? Uh, I, any words of warning from you regarding that? Yes, that's, thank you for asking. Uh, so as I said earlier, uh, I help my uh, clients determine the quality of their energy because the quality of the energy is creating their reality. And so if you are uh, radiating an energy that has the quality of fear in it, then that's a lower vibratory uh, frequency. And so you will be aligning with lower uh, vibratory beings uh, on Earth. 
and in the other realms as well. So that's why it's really important to keep your vibe as high as possible. And on my YouTube channel, Alien Spirit, I have free uh, videos about how to um, raise your vibration. And also I have free uh, guided meditations to help you connect with other beings, whether they be ETs or whether they be spirit guides or dead people who whatever being that you want to communicate with, you can. But it's very, very, very important what kind of vibe are you putting out there? Uh, you're like a lighthouse, and so you radiate this vibe, and everything can feel your vibe. And you're going to align with beings that have a similar vibration. So try your best to keep your vibe high so you can align with higher frequency beings. So you will not feel scared uh, when you have your experiences. Because lower vibratory beings make us scared. Absolutely. Even even being of low vibration and running into a high vibration being can be extraordinarily intimidating. Uh, yes. Yeah. So you can just it's really easy to figure out what kind of vibe you are radiating. Just look at your life. What are your friends like? What, what is important in your life? Uh, how happy are you? How content are you? How fulfilled are you? How authentic yeah. are you? There's so many ways to really understand the kind of vibe that you're exuding and you can change it. You change your vibe, you change your reality. Oh, absolutely. Sev, I cannot Thank you enough for coming on the show again and again and again over the last many years. Uh, the people that you have introduced us to in the community, uh, I, I can't thank you enough. It's always great talking with you. Your energy is always fantastic. Like I said, I cannot think of a vet better advocate for either MUFON or experiencers all over the globe. Um oh. Chris, thank you so much. That's so kind. And I would like to thank you for everything you do. You were at the MUFON Symposium. You were uh, broadcasting from there. You were doing interviews. Uh, I think you... Uh, you endorsed or you were a sponsor. I was. You do a lot, too. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you do. Absolutely. It's it's all about being able to. Uh, the only way that things like MUFON happen, things like that, are through sponsorships or through people joining. Um, and it's one of those. Um, yes. I've always been a put your money, put your time and talent where your mouth is kind of person. And. Mm -hmm. If if joining MUFON as a lifetime member is something that I can do now in my life, I will gladly do that to help support them um, and all the work that they do, especially with people like you. So thank um, you. Thank you for your time, as always, Sev. Before we let you go, uh, of course, one more chance for shameless, shameless self-promotion. Let people know where they can go to get spiritual lessons from you where they can go to file an experiencer report with you or with MUFON. Uh, let everybody know all that information. 
Thank you. My website is planetsev.com, and you can contact me there personally to tell me about your ET story, or you can contact uh, MUFON. Uh, I have uh, the YouTube channel, Alien Spirit. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm also featured in an episode of a Canadian TV series, UFO Contact. Uh, And um, I'm in talks about some other interesting TV projects. Uh, I have conferences coming up. I'm doing Comic-Con here on the inner banks of North Carolina in a couple weeks. Uh, And uh, my message really is if you're an experiencer, um, please deal with it. Please don't uh, let it um, fester or upset you anymore. There's many of us here who want to help you, so just please reach out. You can reach out to me either through my website, planetsev.com. My email is sev at planetsev.com, or you can contact MUFON. Absolutely, Sev. Once again, thank you so much for your time as always. Thank you for your rousing realm of expertise when it comes to dealing with experiencers and how to handle that um as and i think it's a a lot of people may be like well why do i need to know this um (laughs) hey hey, i think you need to know it in our modern day in society uh more and more as i travel the country just as a casual person hanging out and having a drink in the hotel bar when i see a news clip go by on mute I see conversations spring up. And once again, the minds are more open in our society than they have been before. And to be able to be there in support of somebody when they do have that moment publicly where maybe after a couple drinks, they're willing to share their story Um, (laughs) where where perhaps you aren't standing their mouth agape, you know, and, and you can empathize a little bit and understand uh, what it takes and what somebody has gone through uh, to come to the point of sharing that. So that's why I think it's important uh, for all of us to be armed with this information of the ERT and what you guys are doing and what you do for experiencers, because I think we all know an experiencer out there. It's just the fact that they haven't shared their experience with us. They don't feel comfortable. And I was just about to say to your listeners, you could have a family member that yeah. is experiencing and you don't even know it because they're too afraid to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said, Sev. Um, thank you so much again for your time. Thank uh, you. Stay tuned real quick. Uh, stay with us while we close things out, Sev. While you are online checking out all of the amazing work of our guest, Sev Talk, of course, make sure to stop on by curious realm curiousrealm.com is the website that is where you can go to find the knowledge vault curiousrealm.com forward slash knowledge will take you to our knowledge vault and you can get all the declassified stargate documents that we were talking about with our first guest lim buchanan tonight stop on by and share your story with us curiousrealm.com forward slash story is our experiencer page that's where you can anonymously Share your experience of the paranormal, UFOs, UAPs, uh, Bigfoot, other cryptids. Um, If you're a targeted individual, there is an anonymous form there where you can leave your name. Uh, We will use your experiences and experiencer episodes uh, talking with our professionals and guests and sharing your experience anonymously. So until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember, stay curious. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Curious Realm. Stay tuned for more guests, forbidden topics, and hidden truths. Download the official Curious Realm app and view the Knowledge Vault on our website, CuriousRealm.com. Follow us on social media by searching Curious Realm. Curious Realm is available on your favorite podcast services, as well as YouTube, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV through the APR TV app, available on all app markets. Curious Realm is a proud member of the HC Universal Network family of podcasts. For more great content or to become a sponsor of Curious Realm or other podcasts, visit hcuniversalnetwork.com today. Thanks for listening. Stay curious. And remember, the other side is always watching.